We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Don't let impaired driving ruin your holiday. Always have a plan for a sober ride. D.C. police are arresting drunk and drug drivers. Drive sober or get pulled over. Message from the District Department of Transportation and Metropolitan Police Department. Crossing route, Gurley makes the catch 20. First down, he hurdles. Far side of the field, stays on his feet. Inside the 10, Todd Gurley making his case for MVP. He throws back shoulder. Higby reaches out and makes an incredible catch for a first down. Off his back foot, he throws to the end zone. Cooper Cup leaping to make the catch. Out of bounds. He has it for six. He's got a knee-high snap. Looking left. Now over the middle. He pump fakes. He rolls to his right with Connor Barwin pursuing. He knocks him down. The ball is thrown up in the air and batted away. Incomplete. The Rams defense clinches it. Goff will come on the field for victory formation. Rams sideline across the field from us erupts in celebration. And so the playoffs are coming back to L.A. This January at the Coliseum. We, not me, versus the NFC. And for the first time since 2003, the Rams are NFC West champions. Welcome to Rams Talk Radio. This is Manjander Derek C. Paula. I'm flying it solo. It's Thanksgiving. we got guys traveling. We do have a special guest here coming on. Uh, Still coming down from that high, that huge high, that Rams 54-51 victory, one of the best games in NFL history, if not if not one of the best games, one of the best offensive games, one of the best uh, Monday night games. It was just one of those special nights. Uh, so, you know, a really awesome thing here for us to be privileged to watch that game. And, wow, that's all I can still talk about. It's days later now, two days later, and uh, we're pretty – Pretty pumped out about being 10-1 heading into the bye. Okay, we do have Vinny Bonsignor coming up here in a moment. Before we get over to him, I do want to ask you, hey, if you haven't checked us out on Spotify, iTunes, all those places, please do. If you are listening, if you listen to those places, subscribe, please. It helps our numbers, helps us know where we stand. If you could leave a five-star review, especially, it's really appreciated. We love those things. And also, by the way, we're also on iBeatRadio.com. They air our shows Wednesdays, Saturdays, and Sundays at 10 a.m. Okay, folks. So before I get to the interview, also I do want to get our, you know, I want to do both sponsors now um, just so we can just focus in on, on Vinny Bonsignore and not worry about cutting it out. So, you know, first, let's talk a little bit about Jim Hawk's book, Hollywood. Most of us are practically addicted to anything in Los Angeles Rams. Well, if you want to learn more about the Rams history with a bit of personal touch, Check out Jim Hawk's Hollywood's team, Grit, Glamour, and the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. 
The book tells the story of the 1950s Rams through the lens of Jim's dad, John, who was an offensive lineman for the team from 1953 to 1957. Check out his son's story of his father and the team he played for in an era of glitz, glamour, and future Hall of Famers. Read about players like Norm Van Brocklin, Elroy, Crazy Lakes Hirsch, Tom Fears, and Les Richter in this story spanning the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. You can find Hawk's book online at HollywoodsTeam.com and on Twitter at HollywoodsTeam. It's available both in hardback and electronic form on Amazon on Barnes & Noble. You can also find Hollywood's Team through various other booksellers on the net. Everyone, I've read this book cover to cover. So as Norm and Johnny. It's well worth every penny for all Rams fans out there. But it's also a great story about a person's father and the legacy he left behind. Again, folks, trust me. Check it out. Hollywood's Team, Great Glamour, and the 1950s Los Angeles Rams by Jim Hawk. It's worth it. All right, and also we want to thank... Sal Martinez has been our original sponsor from the very beginning. What a great, great barbershop he has. It's wonderful. Here we go. All right, let's get a quick shout-out to our sponsor, the Gold Ram Barbershop. If you're looking to support one of your own in the Orange County area and like the old-school barbershop experience, check out the Gold Ram Barbershop at 13755 Golden West Street in Westminster, California, 92683. Sal Martinez opened up his shop as a shrine to the Rams on the day the team left for St. Louis, and he's kept the light on ever since. He's by appointment only, so give him a call at 714-894-RAMS or 7267. Use the promo code RAMSTALK so he knows we sent you and get a discount on an already affordable haircut. The Golden Ram Barbershop is open Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. and Saturday, 7 a.m. to 4 p.m. One more time, give Sal a call at 714-894-7267. If it's to his shop, it's well worth it just to enjoy all the Rams memorabilia there. It's like a Hall of Fame the Rams. But Sal also provides that old-school barbershop experience talking Rams football. He's talked Vikings football, people. I can't believe it. Uh, trust me. You won't regret it. You know, Sal even managed to look me, Norm, and Magic Johnny look, well, normal. Again, one more time. Just one last time. 714-894-RAMS. All right, so without further ado, we have the Athletics. Vinny Bonsignore. What a good interview. All right. Well, once again, Vinny Bonsignore is on the line. Did I, did I get it right this time? Yes, absolutely. 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 It only took me like my fourth call with you to ever get it, to get it right. I it's never been good this. Okay, so <laughs> I, I, you're a guy who is a busy man now over at the Athletic. How's it been over there for you? Uh, everything's going great. I love the format. Uh, I love the platform. Um, you know, I like the content uh, that that we're striving for uh, to give to to readers, not just for Rams coverage, but across the board. It's it's really a uh, a one-stop uh, place to go for information and news and analysis. Uh, so I couldn't be happier. It's, it's still it's still weird to hear me uh, saying you're at the Athletic instead of the Southern California News Group. It's just no yeah, difference exactly, where I was so used exactly. to you being for so long. So getting to the Rams here, this great, this amazing game on Monday night. Uh, lots of t- tweets afterwards talking about the environment there. Well. Tell us more about it now, two days later, looking back on that game. What did it mean for the L.A. community? Well, uh, the atmosphere was spectacular. Um, it keeps getting better uh, inside the Coliseum. And, and you know, the, the, the more the Rams uh, reemerge as part of the fabric here in Los Angeles, you know, I know that nationally um, people may not be able to grasp it or are willing to grasp it or, you know, maybe there's some L.A. hate that goes on. Um, but people need to understand that the Rams left for 21 years. You don't just leave for 21 years and come back and uh, there's going to be open arms for you across the board, especially when a, you're talking about a really crowded sports market in Los Angeles, the Lakers, the Dodgers, the Kings, the, you know, the Clippers, USC football, uh, angels, baseball, on and on and on and on. And on, to, and on top of that, you had a whole generation of fans that grew up as fans of other teams. They were free agent fans um, and, and, and they picked other teams to be fans of, and it's hard to say, okay, Hey, a new team's in town, uh, whether it's the Rams or the chargers or anybody else that would have come. Uh, so stop being a Cowboys fan or stop being a Giants fan or stop being, you know, Vikings fan and come on over. Uh, that's hard to do at 20 something years old to just say, I'm going to stop being a fan of this team and be a fan of the Rams. I know I'm rambling on here, but there is that, um, dynamic going on. 
Uh, but the more that the Rams win, and I've had friends, I've had a lot of friends. I had my mom, <laughs> of all people, who grew up a Giants fan. My dad was a you know diehard Giants fan, and she became a Giants fan as a result. She texted me the other day, and she's like, I can't believe that I'm rooting for the Rams, you know. Um, and so I have a lot of friends that are saying the same exact things. They were Dolphin fans or, you know, they were, they were Redskins fans or whoever. And all of a sudden, this team that's so close to them now and is playing so well and such exciting brand of football, they're like, God, I'm kind of getting pulled over here to the Rams. And, and that's happening more and more. And you could tell in the atmosphere at the Coliseum um, – that is starting to register, and I think that that's just the beginning of, of what this is going to be a, a, a special relationship over the years. So a, a couple of tweets here that really kind of made its way around after the game. From Rich Eisen, he noted, watching this huge electric Monday night crowd witness a memorable throwdown in the Coliseum makes you wonder where all the people, where are all the people who thought pro football wouldn't work in L.A. are? And then yeah. – you know, ESPN's Arash Markazi, you know, something similar in terms of the fact that, this, that it became, LA became a Rams town on Monday night. Yeah. Um, what's, what's the general feeling for you? Do you agree with those statements or not? Well, the first statement, yeah, uh, I definitely agree with, with what Rich was, the, the observation that he was making. Um, and again, this goes back to, I don't know whether it's just ignorance. Um, or L.A. hate, uh, but there's a perception around the country where, um, you know, we don't, you have to win. We don't support, uh, you know, uh, the teams here in Los Angeles. Ain't, nothing can be further than the truth, and, and all I have to uh, uh, point people to is go look at the attendance figures for all the teams here. They're always amongst the top attended teams, not just in their city, but across the board in their respective leagues. The Dodgers are always the top attended team in baseball or among them, you know, one or two, you know, uh, whichever one you want to go with. Uh, the Angels consistently draw two over two, well over 2 million fans, a lot of times over 3 million fans. Lakers, we know about the Lakers. Mm-hmm. The Clippers, uh, up until maybe last season, were on a ridiculous sellout streak, and that's the Clippers of, of all people. The Kings are well attended. The Galaxy are well attended. USC you know, they've taken a bit of a hit this year, but uh, that's that's understandable. So to suggest that L.A. doesn't support their teams or wouldn't support an NFL team here, and two, when, the, you know, I think the Chargers over time will will create their, their niche. I don't think they'll ever be the, the Rams. I don't think they ever suspect expect to be the Rams. Um, but they'll find their niche. The Clippers did, you know, in light of the Lakers or in spite of the Lakers. So I, I, I believe the Chargers will too. So these fans that think they, they get there late – they, they leave early. It, you have to have star players, otherwise they won't support. You have to win or else they wouldn't support. Well, look at the Lakers. You know, five years of their worst basketball in the history of, their, of, of that proud franchise, and yet they were still selling out and nobody was giving up their season tickets. And the Staples Center, even though the product was bad, was mm-hmm. still a place to be. Um, so I don't, I don't buy it, and I think that, like I said, it's ignorance or, or L.A. hate. Uh, that pushes that narrative, and all you had to do was look out there, like Rich said, on 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 uh, Monday to see a spectacular atmosphere that was heavily, heavily pro um, Rams. Yes, there were uh, Chief fans. There's always going to be fans of other teams at LA stadiums. People move here and keep their allegiance to their teams back home. Fans of teams in Kansas City or Minnesota or Green Bay say, "Oh wow." I would like to go to Los Angeles during the regular season to support my team because that's a great place to go in December or November or October. And so there's going to be a, a caravan of fans that, that come out here because L.A. is a destination target. And so there will always be fans of other teams here for a lot of different reasons. But, um, and I saw this on Twitter too, that it was heavily you know, pro-Chief fans. No, this was a, a Rams crowd without a doubt. Yes, the Packers game was, you know, 40%, 50% uh, Packer fans. The Rams expected that, by the way. Um, last year, the Philadelphia Eagles, their first time back in Los Angeles, and, or, yeah, in years and years. Uh, and, and you know, they were on their way to clinching a, a division title right around that time. I think they may have done it at that game. A whole bunch of Eagle fans made the trip or that lived here came out to, to see the game. So you're going to have that. But that 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 crowd on Monday night was uh, significantly in favor of the Rams, and it was a great atmosphere. I think the Mexico City trip being canceled actually helped because you had a bunch of Kansas City fans who made those travel plans to go to Mexico City, who all of a sudden weren't going to be able to turn around and go to L.A. 
And so that, yeah, I'm so sure horrible for them. Um, there's no question <laughs> about that. They got the raw end of the stick. Uh, a lot of fans from, you know, whether it was fans that just wanted to go check out an NFL game uh, in, in Mexico City or Ram fans um, here that, that and, and there were a ton of them that were going to make the trip to Mexico City. You know, they got they got caught, you know, holding the short end of the stick and it felt horrible for them. It was heartbreaking. Um, and uh, but, you know, it was just one of those one of those situations. And going back to your question about Arash, um, I think I saw that tweet. He, he mentioned that it became a, a Rams town. Um, still not going to go that quite that far. I think there's still some work to do. Uh, they're not right now um, at the level of the Lakers and the Dodgers. Those are the two standard bears here in Los Angeles. But I do believe if they continue to win, um, you know, they're going to be right amongst with uh, right, right there with them. And I think that's all you need to be. You don't need to be like this notion that it's a Laker town or it's a Dodger town um, or it's going to be a Rams town. I think I think we get a little too caught up in all that. If you're just mentioning that same breath and are being supported uh, along those same lines, you're going to be fine. You 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 are fine. Um, you know, last I checked, the basketball season was that one time of the year. Then there's football season. There's you know baseball season. And yes, there's some crossover. Uh, but if you, like again, if you look at the the numbers, um, there's plenty of people to support and make a decision to go to one or the other while it's overlapping, and then when it's not overlapping, support you know the Lakers or the Rams or or, or uh, the Dodgers um, and anyone else that that's here. Now the the game itself was one of those games of in memory. I was talking about in our post game podcast to me as an NFL fan, as a Rams fan, anyways. I you know I I can't remember a Rams game like that over the course of many years. And I'm even in terms of the, the, the fun, the quality, the edge of your seat, just the back and forth. There's been a lot of great games. There's been a lot of bad games. Um, what was the general feeling there in terms of just the, the the game itself and where it ranks in Rams history? Ah, uh, man. Um, that's, that's a good question. And, uh, you know, I talked to a bunch of players on the Rams and they, they'd never, I mean, yeah, you go back to uh, Rob Havenstein told me, you know, you go to, there's some shootouts in high school that he was a part of, but not at this level. You know, the NFL is just the supreme of all supremes uh, in, in the world of football. So I can't remember a game like that, um, especially when you're talking about two really good teams. And while there wasn't anything specific um, on the line, a championship, a division, or something like that, uh, I think there was, you know, um, intangibly – there was something at stake and that was confidence and uh, the belief that you can hang with a, with a great team um, or another great team. And, uh, and I think in that regard, both teams walked off the field with heads held high. There was no loser. And I, we know, I know we throw that one around quite often, but there came a point in that game where it was like, there's no loser here. Somebody's going to eventually win because you have to have a winner unless you're going to be in a tie. Which that could have happened too had you know Lamarcus Joyner not come up with a, an interception and maybe they kick a field goal maybe we go to overtime and after the first overtime or the overtime we're still stuck in a tied game which would have been a you know kind of appropriate but um, but yeah I don't remember a game um, with that uh, just that level of excitement and points and back and forth and even though there was over a hundred points scored there were some really good defensive plays that were made too especially by the Rams so and special teams play. So you had a little bit of everything, and I can't remember a game that covered all the bases uh, and checked off all the boxes quite like that one. In the game itself, we had a, a couple of our guys in the show afterwards were really concerned about the defense. Um, you mentioned some of the great things. I, I, I was actually a defender on, on the podcast about, look, this Rams team did force five turnovers, and we got two defensive touchdowns out of it as well, 21 points off turnovers. But – being there watching the game for you and just with the overall question marks that come into play with this Rams defense, what is the real problem with them right now? Well, I mean, I think the real problem is Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, um, Patrick Mahomes, uh, you know, really good offenses. And, and oh, by the way, Drew Brees. So I think that, um, yeah, they're they're not a – you know, they've been giving up points. There's no question. Everybody gives up points. Going into that game, they were like 12th in points given up per game. Um, and, and that was ahead of the pack. On If you're talking about fellow contemporaries, 
they were ahead of the pack of the Saints, of the Chiefs, of the Patriots. Um, I probably am forgetting somebody somebody else here, but they were literally ahead of them in terms of that, you know, which is a good thing. Everybody is giving up points, and and when you have two teams dialed in like they were last night or Monday night, where it was basically understood going in, we're going to have to score a boatload of points just to be in this game. And I think that, in spite of what coaches might have said in terms of how they game plan and how they call plays, I think that was on everybody's mind. Uh, in terms of play calling, I got to be aggressive here because that's the only way we're going to be able to be in a position to win this game. And I think that that, you know, because of that, because of just constantly having the foot on the gas, uh, guys were going after it and getting after it. And and that caused a whole bunch of points up on the board, but you're not going to face Patrick Mahomes every week. Now, if, if the Detroit lions, you know, put up 35, 40 points, uh, in, 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 in a week or so, um, or the Chicago Bears do that a week after that, then I'd be a little bit more concerned. But I'm not all that concerned. You have to keep it in perspective. And, and above all else, you have to take a look at, okay, when they needed a play, they made the play. And, and you know, I talked to Jared after the game, and I kind of brought up his love of the uh, uh, Golden State Warriors and his love of the NBA. And the NBA and the NFL – especially in games like that, that's what it's become. It's an MB. You're not going to keep a team scoreless. You're going to probably give up 90 points. You're You may even give up a hundred points depending on who you're playing. The key is you have to come up with those key stops at a certain point in the game when you have to have it and make those plays. And the Rams did it five times defensively. Um, and, and, and that's it. That was enough to win the game. And that's the whole point is to win the game. And I think that, you know, they've done that 10 times this year. Uh, one time they didn't, and that was the Marcus Peters, you know, giving up the long touchdown pass uh, to Drew Brees and the Saints. Uh, other than that, they've made the play when they needed to make the play, and I think that that's what you need to focus on more. And you do have playmakers defensively. you got the best defensive player in the world in Aaron Donald, and how many times has he been right in the thick of things when they've needed a play that he comes up with the play to, to change the outcome of a game? It's kind of weird. A, a year ago, maybe even six months ago, in arguing the, the case on, on is he worth the money he's worth and what he was asking for, I think now we know the answer. And it's yeah. Aaron Donald's worth every penny for that defense. Yeah, there was, no, there was really no argument, especially on a team that's going places. Especially, you know, uh, I, I make the argument that the Raiders being where the Raiders are from a, from a roster standpoint, um, is it worth it to pay a defensive guy $25 million under those circumstances? I'm not so sure, you know, because you're just, you know, yeah, he's impacting the game, but is he, but, but is it, is it impacting a game to get into the playoffs? Is it impacting a game to potentially win a Super Bowl? Um, you know what I'm saying? With the Rams, he is, it makes, it's justified to do it with the Rams and with the Rams, um, and with that kind of offense that he's playing with and the tra- talent that is around him, he's absolutely worth uh, the, the money that he's being paid. Now, other game matters as well. Todd Gurley uh, got slightly rolled up apparently in the in the first quarter. What's the update mm-hmm. on him? Uh, I think he's going to be fine. He looked okay after the game. Um, I think it was sort of a tweak. Um, and and you know, yes, it, it affected him. It looked like during the game, and I think that you know, you saw Malcolm Brown in there a little bit. You saw them, um, you know, maybe not utilize him at in situations where you kind of figured that they would have. Um, but I think it's just a one-game thing. Uh, they got the break. Uh, comes at a good time for him and everybody else. Really, I got some texts from Brown's people uh, that was like that. <laughs> boy, do we need this break right now. This is the perfect time for it. And they legitimately need it right now, just from an emotional um, life standpoint, um, injury standpoint, not that, they, that they're dealing with a lot of major injuries, but just, you know, a lot of, just the wear and tear. They've been going at it hard since training camp. And then, you know, 11 high-intensity games, basically, because everyone's giving them their best shot. This is a good time for them to catch a breather and, and Todd Gurley, uh, you know, more than most with the ankle. And also, Akib Tlaib, is, is, it, is it really Detroit at this point? Is he going to be back then for that or what? I, I mean, everything points to, to him uh, being out there on the practice field on Wednesday when they, when they uh, reconvene in preparation for that Detroit game. Um, he's, been, he's been doing drills. He's been out running. 
Um, you see him before games, he's out there getting conditioning in, doing some drills. So, and he's itching to get out there. There's no question about that. Um, so I, I would be shocked if he wasn't, but you know, um, do you, you know, not to look down on the Detroit lions, but do you buy him one more week? And, you know, thinking that, hey, we could probably get by against the Lions uh, without him, or do you just go on ahead and, and, and get him out there? And that's a question that, you know, obviously the training staff and Sean McVay and, and Les Snead will make uh, next week. But uh, everything's pointing t- toward him uh, when he's eligible to come off the IR, coming off and, and getting after it. How's he looked in warm-ups I mean, and all the practice stuff? How's he been doing there? I mean, good. Uh, there's no limp anymore. Um, he's out of the walking boot. Um, it's, he's, he's running pretty free and easy, but you know, it's, it's, there's, there's like fine line. Um, you know, he's probably looks better than 90% of the, of the world, but the, the, the 10% that he has to worry about are the other guys that are playing NFL football right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's who he has to keep up with. That's who he has to be able to be in, in peak physical condition to deal with. So that becomes the question, but uh, just from eyeballing it right now, he looks like he's ready to at least give it a try and, and, and get out there. And I, I would suspect, knowing Akib, uh, that he's going to do everything he can to be a, a, an asset. And if it's not right at the Detroit game, um, you know, rest assured he's going to have a role um, in, in in how this thing all turns out. So uh, whether he's ready for 100%, uh, week 12, or if it's week 13 or week 14, we all know what this is all about. This is about getting him ready um, to play down the stretch and really be ready to go or in peak condition uh, in the playoffs. Now, I don't think people really realize how hurt this team has been throughout much of the year, much more hurt than last year. I mean, just the injury list right now is bananas. Uh, Dominic Easley, Cooper Cup, Morgan Fox, Kevin Pearson, uh, Talib, Mike Thomas, these are all guys who at some point either have been on the roster and made plays or are in the process of making plays this year. And they've had to roll guys in. And they've done it well. Josh Reynolds played well on Monday night, made some plays. Mm-hmm. You've seen the tight end step up. What has been the mindset of this team to actually, with a limited roster, produce in the absence of all those guys they expected to be there at the beginning of the year? Well, I, I remember John Sullivan telling me um, there is no expectation other than if your number's called, you're going to produce. And then it, it's not like a demand that they're making. It's, it's an expectation that they have. Um, and and one, one of the things that uh, the Rams do an excellent job of is preparing guys throughout the course of the week um, to play. And, and they're going to be ready to play. And John pointed out, look, all our offensive linemen – practice during the week uh one is by design to give andrew whitworth and john uh and sometimes roger saffold you know uh just to manage their bodies at this stage of their career so that by nature um allows guys like joseph noteboom and you know uh before jamon you know before that whole transition happened austin Blythe, uh you know uh alan the backup center they all get considerable time during the week in practice so if their number is called there's every expectation that they're going to deliver. And that goes across all the positions. So Josh Reynolds, nobody had any um, doubt that he was going to be able to produce. You know, he got some time last year when Robert Woods got hurt. Obviously he got time earlier this season when Cooper cup went down the first time. Um, And he's, I think, I don't think anybody that looks at him now, especially after Monday, wouldn't say that's a starting caliber NFL wide receiver. And he is, he just happens to be playing on a team with, three great wide receivers. Uh, so that, you know, means that he, he doesn't get as much time as he probably deserve what it deserves. So him stepping in, no problem. Gerald Everett um, has always been a guy that they've highly touted. He got, you know, a setback during training camp that kind of, it cost him all of training camp and all of preseason and, and, you know, uh, lingered on uh, into the regular season in terms of, you know, catching up basically. But I don't think there was any doubt that, uh, when his number gets called upon, he's going to deliver, and he did uh, on 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 Monday, and has you know a couple of times this year, and, and I think that that's going to get incorporated more and more. So they've done an excellent job of being able to maintain uh, and just 
tap into the next guy and the next guy is getting the job done. And I think that part of that is because a, they're signing good players they have good players in reserve. They've drafted really well. They sign good free agents, you know, uh, undrafted guys or otherwise. Um, but also just the preparation and the expectation that they have for these guys. These guys understand what's expected. And I think the, it feeds off of each other in terms of the confidence that other players and coaches have in guys that are in reserve. Uh, helps them because you know it, it's just sort of a mindset that gets created and they, they've done a really good job of that uh, one of the things that we've shown concern about on our podcast especially over the last i want to say three to four games has been uh some of the, the the weird play calling going on now during the game we had no idea that todd girl was hurt that we, we mm-hmm. no, the announcers didn't even mention which blew our minds yeah. how do you go the entire game this chunking and not mention the fact he's hurting not even mention he wasn't on the field but overall the complaint has been play calling with the rams as great as sean McVay is and that's where the conflict we know he's a prodigy we know he's special but then he makes you do he does things that you know will cause you to pull your hair out a little bit for example that last series um the second that, that last series where they had a chance to run the clock out and they're throwing the ball. Uh, what is the, the mindset with the Rams in that situation? Um, where is what is the general consensus on how he's calling plays, and you know where do they go on from here in terms of offensive planning? Well, um, the first part of that, uh, I, I, I have to. I, I just I'm shocked that Ram fans would be at the point where they're pulling out hair over Shaman Bay's play calling. Um, that's that's some new world uh, problems right there. I'll tell you. That I know right it now. is. It is, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> uh, nitpicking. Um, are you kidding me? Uh, there's a lot of things that I could say about that, but specifically, I, I and I get it. You know, and even he, you know, uh, he'll always, you know, call himself out. Managed to run the ball a little more right there. Should have stuck with the book, run a little more there. But it's mm-hmm. it's it's like so minimal that it's like laughable that people would even have any sort of an issue with it. Uh, but let's go back to that uh, series. And I did talk to Sean about this. Mm-hmm. Um, and essentially, number one, you start, it, it, it's, it's uh, what, a minute 49 left in the game, I believe, right? That's yeah. roughly how much time was left um, or something right around there. Um, Kansas City had three timeouts. Um, and I think the first expectation is, yeah, we're going to run the ball here. But number one, Andrew Whitworth starts to drive with a penalty. So now it's first and 15, not first and 10, which is a huge difference. And number two, what Sean said uh, was, look, they, they, they went to zero coverage. Basically, that means that there's 11 guys in the box. It's a numbers game. There's unblocked guys in that situation. And as Sean put it, when, when that happens, because of that numbers game, because there's unblocked guys, it literally becomes almost like a tackling drill for the defense. They're got, you have guys that are running free, making tackles. Um, so, yes, could he have said, you know what, even though they're doing something that's basically telling me I'm giving you the pass if you want to try to throw the ball because I'm going to stop the run. If you, if you want to try to move that mountain, so to speak, uh, and be, and be um, stubborn about it, uh, yeah, he could have run the ball three times. There's a good chance you're not going to get the 15 yards in that situation uh, because of the way the defense was aligned. So you you run it, let's say, three times, timeout, timeout, timeout. Um, they probably would have ended up with the same amount of time that they ended up getting by the Rams throwing it uh, incomplete. And it, what was it? It was a it was an incomplete or it was a short gain timeout. It was an incomplete timeout I think it was and then a uh and then another incomplete something along those lines or another completion timeout but it left the it 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 basically blew out 20 seconds off the clock and left the Chiefs with with one timeout in that situation and the way Sean describes it is we're an aggressive team they're going to give us that we feel like you know putting Jared in bootleg action outflanking their perimeter guys and then dragging a guy across the middle of the field, which isn't guarded because of how they're, how they're bringing their safeties up would have given us a better chance to go get that first down than just running the ball. So that was his justification for it. Now you just, a don't like having a penalty B Mm -hmm. um, you don't want to throw an incompletion in that situation, but 
sometimes it does come down to execution. And had they executed correctly, maybe they get, get, they get that first down and, and game's pretty much over at that point. But it was more, it wasn't, oh gosh, I'm just going to throw the ball because I don't want to run the ball right here or, you know, I'm going to do something unconventional. It was sizing up the situation, what the defense was doing, sizing up the down and distance and having confidence that we'll make the, you know, we'll, we'll complete the pass. We've thrown for 498 yards today. We can we can complete a couple of simple passes, but unfortunately they didn't. Uh, but that was basically the, the sum of it. So yeah, you, I'm sure fans were like, "Why are you running the ball?" But when you look at it from that vantage point, from a coach's vantage point, and what he's seeing on the field, it did make sense. Now, just to just to back up, you know, isn't it weird how two years ago? The average Rams fan, myself included, would have been happy just getting 20 points a game. Yeah. And and now we – yeah, we, I admit we do. We nitpick it. We, and one okay. of the things we talked about in our show is it's frustrating because you do want to – in certain situations where you think they need, to, they need to establish a running game, they don't run. But then you're thinking, man, how privileged am I that that's actually <laughs> what I'm questioning right now compared to two years ago when they couldn't score 20 points a game. Well, what a, what a difference! Um, and 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 to and to and to uh, expound on that, would you rather have a coach that stubbornly does things, or would you rather have a coach that says the percentages, here's the numbers, game, here's what they're doing, and this is how we're going to uh, combat that, which is what they do all the time, basically, and have won at a ridiculous, you know, uh, ridiculously high rate, whether you're talking about the final scoreboard or the situation and getting the first down and, and keeping the chains. Moving. Um, so, you know, you're just going to have to take the fact that sometimes the play just doesn't get executed. The other team makes a good play, um, you know, gets a handle the ball or, or gets some pressure, you know, uh, somebody misses a block, whatever the case might be, that contributes to why the play didn't succeed. But that doesn't mean that there isn't a logical, sound reason that that play was called in the, in the first place. Okay, here's my last question for you. I know you thank you so much for taking the time today. Yeah, no worries, man. Here we go. Can this team, as it's built right now, beat the Saints come playoff time? Yeah, there's no question about it. And, and you know, I, I think that, um, you know, my advice to Rams fans would be don't overthink it. Don't think that we need to do this or we need to do that. Uh, or maybe we need this player at this point, or maybe we need to, you know, mix it up right here. It's going to come down in that game when they play again, if they play again, or whoever they play in the playoffs, or whoever they play in the Super Bowl, if they're so fortunate to get there. It's all going to come down to, okay, what's going to happen between the lines right here, and making the plays that need to be made, whether it's offense or defense, um, and coming up with the timely stops defensively. I think at this point, if the Rams do the Rams, they're gonna. There's nobody in the league that they can't beat. Um, most of them pretty decisively if they're if they're locked in and 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 and, and rolling. Uh, but there's are some teams, the Kansas City Chiefs, the New Orleans Saints. Um, I would imagine the Patriots. Uh, there's probably a couple of others that um, you know they they have to play their A game um, and and and. If the other team plays their A game too, it's going to be a close game. But I think that no matter who it is, as long as the Rams, you know, make some some necessary plays and stay away from turnovers, that's a huge key of all this. Uh, there's nobody that should scare the Rams, and frankly, there's nobody that does scare the Rams. I talk to these guys enough; they feel like it's on us. And as long as we just do what we're supposed to do, you know, I'm not saying that they're saying that they could go 16 and 0, but I don't think it would surprise them if they went 16 and 0. If they did everything that they were supposed to do, um, you know, uh, from a from a game management, lack of turnovers type of a thing, and not every team can say that. There are teams. Two years ago, the Rams could have played perfect football, um, and still not won games because there was a talent deficiency, there was a coaching deficiency, there were a lot of things that went into why they couldn't compete at the highest levels. These Rams, if they're playing well, if they're playing clean football. They, there's nobody that they can't beat. So it's just going to come down to whether or not you play that clean game when you need to play that clean game. If they do, they're going to probably have a chance to win a Super Bowl. If they don't, they're going to fall short. All right, thank you so much for the time. We really appreciate it. Can you tell folks where to find you as if they didn't know already? 
Uh, I'm at the Athletic, uh, but at Daily News Vinny is the Twitter. I get all my uh, my stories out via via the via Twitter. So uh, so you know if you're if you're following along, um, you, you get to read uh, uh, the stories and and you know obviously there's a there's a fee involved with the with the Athletic, but it's nominal and it's worth it. Trust me, it's you get everything. You even if you're a Penguins fan and a Rams fan, you could catch your Penguins news. And, you know, if you're a USC fan or a Notre Dame fan or whoever it is, we got you covered. Um, and, and, and it's easy reading as far as no ads and things like that. Uh, we make it pretty easy for you so that it's, it's well worth it. Uh, I urge anyone to, to give it a shot. So uh, at The Athletic and at Daily News Vinny. Wait, well, it is almost Black Friday. Are they bring a deal this week or what? Um, I have to check. I, I, I'm pretty sure there is or something in the works, so I will check it, and if so, I will tweet it out. Awesome. All right, folks, here's Daily News Vinny. <laughs> Vinny from Bonsignore from The Athletic. Thanks so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Okay, no problem, man. Happy Thanksgiving. Same to you. Happy Thanksgiving. All right, so that was Vinny Bonsignore. You can find him, again, at The Athletic. That They have formed quite the uh, – the powerhouse of sports journalism over there. So if you get a chance and can afford a little bit of money, a little bit, go check them out. Okay, so several things we talked about. I, I did want to approach today. Two days later, it's it's still I mean, a couple of things about the game that, especially afterwards, and I do in a way agree with Vinny about the Rams' place in L.A. And there's a couple. I think disagreements as well. I think he's right that it's going to take a little more time for the Rams to win over L.A. I definitely also think that it's theirs for taking. I really do. Can anybody tell me, honestly, can you tell me how on earth the Chargers did on Sunday when it comes to, well, how they dealt with the fires and so on and so forth? They played at home, too. Anybody? Anyone? Uh, here's the truth. I don't know. I don't know because it wasn't covered in the news. It wasn't talked about. I don't know anything about what happened. I know they lost. I know they lost. That's it. The reality is this. The Rams are the team making news in L.A. The Rams are. They're the ones who are on TV making the best of their opportunities here to really reach out to the L.A. region. Now, before anybody maybe argues, hey, the Rams are just doing this for show, so on and so forth, and there will be the, the pessimist who does that, go back to the St. Louis days. When the Rams were in St. Louis, they were highly active in the community there as well. When Joplin happened, the tornado, the Rams were highly active in, in rebuilding that community. They've always been community-oriented. So we can criticize Stan Kroenke for the things that have happened with uh, St. Louis. You can if you want. But the reality is there's one strength of this Rams organization from the get-go is they've always been community-oriented. And I think we're starting to see that. I think we're starting to see that. When the Rams moved to L.A. in 2016, they got involved in the community immediately. How did they botch up coming home? Well, they didn't put good product in the field. That's the truth. That's the reality. They were not a good product. They were not a good product. But the one thing they have done is, well, they've reached out to the community. That's the one thing they've done. And now they're winning. That's the second thing they've done. In my view, if they keep doing those two things, if they keep getting involved in the community, they are going to win over the area. And Vinny was also right that it's a tough, it's a tough, tough, tough area. It's a tough fan base to win over. It really is. This is not, and it's not just about winning. The Clippers didn't win for years, and they still have a very loyal fan base. The Lakers haven't won for, you know, a while now, and they still kept that loyal fan base. They still sold games out. So LA, LA fans are loyal they have high expectations, and you have to. You're in a city that has so many different things to do, so many different things to do. Right now, I, I currently live and work in Northeast Ohio, 
it just that's the nature of the game when you move when, when when jobs are available. That's where I live and work now in Northeast Ohio. If you go in Cleveland, you have the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. You have some good shopping there. There's the flats or some good food, but the attractions in the Cleveland area compared to what's there in L.A. There's just no comparison. There's no comparison. There's 40,000 different things to do in L.A. and 40,000 different activities competing for your dollars. So, yes, the Rams aren't just competing with the Chargers for L.A. They're competing with everybody else. I think they made a major move on Monday night to solidify who they are in L.A. And winning helps there, too. And putting together a, a team that is entertaining, that's and they're, they're easy to love. There were a lot of Rams teams in the past especially the end of St. Louis there, that just, they were hard to watch and hard to love. They're sloppy. They were not disciplined. They uh, just showed bad character on the field. Doesn't mean they're bad people. They were poorly coached. And now you have a team that's disciplined. They genuinely like each other. They're fun to watch. And that is great entertainment. It's great for the NFL. It's great for the Rams. And now you can understand why the Rams were able to come home to Los Angeles. And you know, at the time, back in January 2016, that was, well, why would they choose the Rams' proposal over the Raiders and, and Chargers' proposal? Well, when you're putting this much money into it, you already have the embedded history to go with it. You know, add into the fact now, a year after that, they get Sean McVay and everything turns around. It's hindsight being 2020. It's actually, if you were an NFL owner, it's an easy decision. It's an easy decision. And, um, you know, it's unfortunate that St. Louis fans had to lose their team over it, um, over what's become a, just a high class organization. But um, in LA, that, that team belongs there. They're showing it. It's not, even, it's not even a battle for LA, it's not even a battle for LA with the Chargers right now. The Chargers, let's just be honest, nobody cares. Nobody cares. This is all about L.A. This Rams team has just done a great job of reaching out and being community. And if I'm them, if I'm the Rams, I am getting involved in every single school district in the area. I'm sending out backpacks for kids. I'm helping out with, with athletic, you know, athletics there wherever I can and getting the name out, A, because you're building your fan base, and B, because it's in a lot of ways the right thing to do. Just get involved. Keep doing it. Keep getting involved. And the more they do it, the more they're going over L.A. and the regions around L.A. I think it's a really great thing. Uh, another thing, too, I want to just go over as the team has in the bye. I am really impressed with how this team has functioned in terms of just dealing with injuries. I mentioned that in the interview. It is next man up. And it's a lot harder to do in the pro game. In the pro game you have an active roster on game day of 46 players. You have 53 overall, that, and then, of course, you have a practice. You know, USC, Ohio State, Alabama, those rosters go 100 deep. You want to redshirt people, and, they, and they're hanging back as redshirts. Your talent goes deep. It's always been like a next-man-up mentality at Ohio State. And, you know, it can't be that way as, as easily for the Rams. You just can't. It's, it's not that deep a roster. It can never be a deep, that deep of a roster. Although I'm, I am 100% for expanding rosters, by the way. 100% for it. In, in today's injury world, I'm 100% for expanding rosters. It needs to happen. But you know the Rams, they, they struggle a little bit with, um, in terms, not they, but Todd Gurley struggles a little bit with uh, getting rolled up on Monday night. The Rams found other ways to score. And... That has had to happen. Cooper Cup goes down, ACL tear. Rams have to find a way. Josh Rollins steps up. The tight ends step up. They just keep finding ways. That is a mark of a good team. It's a, good, it's a mark of a well-drafted team. It's a mark of a well-drafted team. So you know, that's really important thing to keep thinking about over time is, is what do we really have here at the Rams? What we have with this Rams team is one that's well put together, well managed, well coached, and they're making magic happen out there. Defensively, my concern still lies in pass rush right now. And they're able to get 
excellent passers in the middle. I, we're starting to see some movement on the outside. Dante Fowler has helped. Uh, Samson Ebekheim came up with a great game. We need more of that because the reality is that's how is that's how Wade Phillips' defense has always meant to be. They've always meant to be that way. And if they don't get that pass rush more than they're getting now, it's going to be a problem long term. That's just the honest truth about it. Okay. Also, at the secondary position here, with we keep picking on Marcus Peters in coverage. I really do expect the kid to lead to make a difference there. I really do. He's the kind of guy who knows the system better. But more more importantly, what I expect to happen is better communication in the defensive backfield. I expect that to be worked out during the bye. I expect that to be kind of figured out. And if they get that figured out, this team will be a much better one coming off the break. I think it really will be. So there you go. That Those are all my, my offhand thoughts about what's going on with the Rams right now. Um, I am concerned that they have given up as many points they have, but it is a different game in the league. I think I'm more concerned than Vinny was, but over the course of time, these things, you know, hopefully will work out for themselves. All right, folks, that's a wrap for us. We do want to thank you again for all that you do. If you could, if you would like to sponsor us, you can reach out to us at ramstalk1945 at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at 657-666-5453. We do have a media kit ready to get out to you. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at TalkRams and on Facebook at Ramstalk at Facebook.com forward slash Ramstalk. We also have a group, Ramstalk Room, where we talk football. We recently added a game thread in there. It's usually me you're talking to because – I don't have a life outside of Rams football, apparently. So check it out. Again, we're on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio. We are everywhere. And, of course, iBeatRadio.com There's our shows as well. So with that in mind, Thanksgiving is on the way. Have a great one. Enjoy that turkey. Take it easy. Go Rams. That's right. We're sitting at 10-1. and 1. Let's make Vision Zero a reality in D.C. Almost half of D.C.'s traffic fatalities come from impaired driving. These deaths are 100% preventable. Don't let impaired driving ruin your holiday. Always have a plan for a sober ride. Never drive impaired. D.C. police are arresting drunk and drugged drivers. Drive sober or get pulled over. A message from the District Department of Transportation and Metropolitan Police Department. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.